person one loves person two guess what shenanigans ensue person one hates person two guess what still shenanigans ensue person one fake dates person two guess what you guessed it shenanigans ensue co-host one co-host two the name of the show shenanigans ensue hello i'm jasmine And I'm Jane. And welcome to Shenanigans Ensue. A podcast where, don't you love New York in the fall? Each episode we'll watch a rom-com and discuss its merits as a member of the rom-com genre. We'll cover well-worn classics, hidden gems, and everything in between. We're here to give you our unsolicited opinion on every trope, Caper, and Flim Flam, the film used, or in this case, abused. And of course, the the shenanigans. shenanigans. (laughs) You're coming salty right from the start. Listen, when it's warranted, you gotta go right in. So this episode, we're looking at You've Got Mail. Which is definitely a well-worn classic, but as you'll soon realize, hasn't perhaps aged the best. And I knew it wasn't going to. Like, it's You've Got Mail. Anyone who says, I have an at AOL.com is a boomer, right? That's a thing. So. (laughs) Buckle up, Jasmine is salty today. (laughs) I'm so salty about this damn movie. Okay, listen. So I came in feeling real nostalgic because, listen, that dial-up was a thing of my childhood. Wow, that dial-up tone. Yes. Oh, man. I do have kind of a soft spot in my heart for the dial-up tone. And then everything went downhill from there. But before we get too deep into things, let's do a quick plot synopsis. Oh, yes. The synopsis before I continue to demolish this movie with my opinions. Okay. (laughs) We made a promise up front that we would neither just hate on a movie nor just love on a movie. So we're going to find a way to toe the line here. I will. There were like three things I liked. Okay. Um, (laughs) Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly are both in the publishing industry. Joe and his family run a massive bookstore chain, and Kathleen runs a small generational bookstore around the corner. They are also forming an anonymous online romance, just by chance. They met each other in a chat room, and now they're writing emails to each other. It's the 90s. Their in-person relationship becomes more antagonistic, while their online relationship becomes more romantic. Shenanigans ensue. Shenanigans ensue! Yay! General thoughts. Jeez Louise. So, to say up front, I think I don't feel as passionately as you do about this movie because you are very familiar with a musical this movie's based on. I don't even know if it's that. I think I would still feel this irritated without the Without the musical? It just it's it's it has its moments. There's some really great jokes. It is obviously saved by Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. If it's not for them, mm-hmm. then this movie has practically no redeeming qualities at all. But <laughs> I it's rough. To be honest, it was look, if this is your favorite comfort movie, no hate, no shade, watch the things that, that give you comfort. But I was surprised by how frustrated and upset I was watching this movie and as we said at the top we know a lot of things aren't going to age well but so much didn't age well like it just made it really hard to watch and I think because this movie held like such a place of 
uh, nostalgia for me, I was even more disappointed by it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. In my head, it's in the great classics. Yes, 100%. And it's set in fall, which is my favorite season to be in New York. Absolutely, they got that 100% right. <laughs> it is currently fall in New York, and I love it. Oh, jealous. I can't wait for the leaves to change. <laughs> I'm a summer person through and through, but my favorite season in New York was an autumn, largely because New York in the summer smells very much like pee. Facts. And so autumn is just my favorite. On the surface, I really think there's probably a way to mm-hmm. cut out 30 minutes of this movie and make it something worth watching. More than 30 minutes. Right? Maybe 45. I, this movie is almost two hours long. Yeah, it's a little too long. I remember texting you... Um, at the point where he stands her up at the restaurant. So he online arranges to meet with uh, Kathleen. And then Joe shows up at the restaurant as she knows him as Joe and like starts antagonizing her. And I thought, okay, we at the reveal. He knows her identity now. And we have about 20 minutes left for them to get into a fight and then reconcile. And that's the end. And when I checked the time, there were 45 minutes left. And I was thinking to myself, like, what more is there? It took so long to wrap up. One of my bullet points in my notes is 30 minutes left, question mark, exclamation point, all caps. (laughs) Wrap it up, folks. (laughs) I think we must just sit down and do a super cut of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's like an hour, 15 minute cut that would make this a very, very good movie. And the first thing that I would get rid of that uh, we'll touch on to when we do the tropes, but is the fact that both of them are in romantic relationships at the start of the movie. And it really doesn't add all that much i know we always talk about this yeah because it's our least favorite trope you can't that's not a fun thing it's not fun (sighs) and least favorite trope both of our least favorite tropes because they either have to make the lead's romantic partner so unlikable that it's like why is this person with them in the first place Mm -hmm. or you're putting your lead into a position where they're like dicking over a really good person yeah So it just, for me personally, it never works. Yeah, that they've done this terrible thing. They're technically cheating, they're writing, they're flirting on the side. They wait until their significant others have left the house and then sneak away to go check their emails. Like, that's so sketchy. And it's played for laughs, which I get. We didn't have the language to talk about emotional affairs, but they're waiting for their significant others to leave. Right. It means that they know it's not right. So it's not just like an innocent friendship thing, you know. And so that bothers me a lot. And that's right off the bat. And I think, you know, the fact that they haven't met in person person and it's literally just emails is the one redeeming quality Mm -hmm. that they met in a chat room it was kind of accidental and they became pen pals in a way yeah but which is fine pen pals is fine i think building the fact that they wait for their partners to leave is part of the discomfort yes they are conducting a full-on emotional affair yep and you know you Everyone has different opinions as to what constitutes as cheating, and that's something that you should discuss with your partner. But I'm sure both of their partners would agree that this isn't right in some way. Uh, Tom Hanks' partner would probably have been like, emails, whatever, (laughs) because I like her. 
<laughs> Which brings me to another important part. I'd like her more if she wasn't written so one-dimensionally. Well, that's the thing is I like her better because she acts like a New Yorker. <laughs> Are you fair? You expect me to believe Meg Ryan grew up in New York City and is that much of a doormat? It was the 90s. So she should even be harder than that because 90s New York was rough. <laughs> so there's no excuse for her to be that impossibly saccharine sweet maybe they were going for the grumpy and sunshine trope i really don't know but speaking of tropes let's get into a couple of them so we have enemies to lovers as we've spoken about romantic leads already in relationships unsuitable romantic partners an overly amicable breakup hidden identity uh, he's a good guy because he's good with animals and children oh gosh grand romantic gesture <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Ah, oh, that one irritates me. I already got really angry. <laughs> I feel my temperature rising. Um, grand romantic gesture, reading the book slash watching the movie that other person loves and stuck in the elevator. So yeah, I guess what do we want to hit on first? Don't sound so eager, Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I don't know why this movie irritates me so much. I'm so sorry. It really pressed your button. If somebody loves this movie, I feel really bad. I don't feel as pressed as you do, so I'm just enjoying it. I hope that you'll hear what I'm saying and understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> or maybe just skip this episode. Yeah, that's fine. I'm totally not offended. I don't have to like the same things as everyone. We did say that this is our unsolicited opinion, so... Where should we start? I feel like we've covered the romantic leads already being relationships. Uh, a little bit about the quote unsuitable romantic partners, Kathleen and Frank. They're singing for something at a piano and they can't like sing together at the same time. So that's showing, ooh, they're not suitable. I'm sure there are other things. I can't remember. Yeah, they seem well suited, mm -hmm. but they're on different wavelengths. Yeah, and with Tom Hanks and his girlfriend, they're like sort of living past each other. They're like not really listening to each other. Look, as I've said, neither of us are huge fans of this trope in any case, but it's a well-worn one. But again, they should be good partners. They're both business sharks. Yeah. They know that it's business. It's not personal. Mm -hmm. Um, In those ways, in their career goals, they're very, very similar. Yeah. But somehow it's not right you want to talk about the enemies to lovers yeah this is really really fun so like part of the thing about this story which i had looked this up um i'm familiar with an old musical called she loves me which is very very fun <laughs> and it's actually based off a story written mm -hmm. even earlier than that um which is called parfumerie I believe. And so it's a, it's the same thing that, you know, two people hate each other. This guy's going to put the shop girl out of business. That's why it says shop girl. Yeah. That's very key to the original original and then also the She Loves Me musical version. But they somehow find a way of writing letters to one another and mm -hmm. they don't know who they are. And I like the modernization with the writing emails to one another because yeah. that makes sense. There was a time period for any like younger people who might be listening <laughs> where you would be on AOL and you would go into your instant messenger and you would chat with your friends digitally. Maybe you were feeling crazy that day and you went into a chat room and talked to strangers. Ooh. And so you really would meet strangers online and talk to each other and know each other only by your instant messenger 
major handle. And literally nothing else. And so it's believable in the context of the time period. Yeah. And so it's kind of cute that they actually form a very interesting relationship. They're living parallel lives at the moment while he's getting ready to mm-hmm. open the megastore. And they actually have similar paths to work. And then to find out that he's going to put her out of business is like, oof. Oh, terrible. Uh, and he comes into his store and doesn't reveal who he is. So within, when they meet up again later, she's already miffed at him. Quite understandably, because it is a bit duplicitous of him to just say, Hi, I'm Joe. Just Joe. And he knew. Yeah, he knew. Then their in-person relationship becomes quite antagonistic. And I think I enjoyed, like, it's a fun setup, you know, that they are falling in love with each other online while in person they really can't stand each other. I think there's a scene where they've just provoked each other at some sort of soiree. Right. And they both complaining to each other online about how much they pissed each other off, obviously not knowing that it's the same person. And it's really fun. He comes in saying something to the effect of, do you ever feel like you're not even yourself and you Mm -hmm. get so angry? And she's like, wow, well, I don't, (laughs) but let me tell you about this guy. (laughs) And I think as a setup for enemies to lovers, it's a good one. It's like quite realistic in some ways that he's like a big chain store owner and she's this tiny little shop around the corner so like that's interesting in terms of what it says about capitalism and all those fun things right this is before amazon so shops still even exist oh goodness yeah (laughs) that he's even opening a mega story (laughs) and that he's the big baddie yeah (laughs) whereas now it's like save barnes and noble which is a bookstore for our international listeners or non-american listeners so like you know in those ways i really do love the setup Mm -hmm. i came in being really excited about the setup the exposition is great the lead-up is great their meetup is really fun him keeping the secrets is even charming because again it's tom hanks and Mm -hmm. he pulls it off up to a point it's charming up to a point and that point is at the grocery store (laughs) which we'll get to (laughs) yeah it really goes downhill from there that that was what sent me over the edge but we'll get into it. Um, we have the overly amicable breakup, which just goes back to my little pet peeve about the romantic lead being in a relationship in any case, because Kathleen's boyfriend, Frank, was completely nonplussed. They both agreed. About the breakup. It was like a non-breakup breakup. And so I was like, so what was the point of this relationship? The point is they needed somebody to write in the papers yeah. to start all of the fuss. So it but would... she could have gotten a friend. Yeah. You could have written that into the plot in another way. It didn't have to be the coming from her boyfriend. Which is essentially like the function of the best friend in the She Loves Me version. Yeah, see? They already did it. Yeah, they fixed that. <laughs> They're not in relationships. They just have yeah. best friends. Fine. And I think maybe the best friends are in a relationship uh, or they end up as well. And so that's also really cute. Yes. Again, just a better version. I want to watch that version. Because like we've said, I really like the setup. It's a really fun setup. The back and forth is funny. The slowly trying to fix the situation that like this guy's dug himself a yes. hole by ruining things for this woman and then trying to fix it because he actually loves her is executed mm-hmm. in a similar way, but it's less creepy. It's less manipulative in the musical version in my my opinion yeah yeah okay then we have oh this is a trope that i actually really like the reading the book um slash watching the movie the other person loves i do too like i understand some people disliking it but that takes time and then you're doing it because you care about someone so like that's a way of showing love yeah it's a genuine show of respect and admiration yes and 
appreciation. And I love just like even with friendships when a friend reads or watches something that I really love and talks to me about it. Like it's great. And I do really love the progression of even that trope through the course of the movie. Yes. Tom Hanks very clearly dislikes the book when he starts Mm -hmm. reading Pride and Prejudice. And by the end of the movie, he's genuinely quoting it and genuinely feels some sort of an affinity towards the characters, at least in the ways that he's using it as examples to Meg Ryan's character. So I think that's really sweet, especially because in this movie, they both are in the book business. So I I thought that that was a a lovely uh, use of that trope. And I think it was really well executed. Yeah, so before we get into the shenanigans, some of the things that we would most certainly change (laughs) are, like, just right off the bat, how antagonistic they are to each other, or maybe the antagonism being so... He's so condescending. He's so... Mean. Like, unnecessarily mean. I found at the party, she was understandably upset that he didn't reveal who he was. And his attitude towards it was just like, well, how can you be upset, basically? Right. I'm not saying you lose it. Like, definitely keep them being antagonistic towards each other. But just, like, have her say something that it feels earned that he's so... Uh, mad at her yeah and so like the antagonism is really really bad and then honestly his flair for misogyny is so disgusting Mm -hmm. it becomes absolutely unbearable and that's when we were talking about the cash register scene at the grocery store (sighs) that scene meg ryan accidentally gets into the line for cash only and she only has her card number one her reaction in that line is really really irritating this is again another one of those things where i'm like how does she live in new york and she's this much of a doormat she acts like a pathetic fragile flower throughout the entire movie and i don't know why (laughs) they did that to her i don't know that why i don't know why they wrote her character like this in new york city i don't know how she is a business owner in new york city with this kind of personality it doesn't make any sense to me but the misogynistic tone the toxic masculinity he brings when he shows up by her side and then he speaks to the woman working the register and she's a child and she's like come on sweetheart can't you just take the card this one time you know for me oh come on and it's supposed to read as charming and i just it was so icky to watch it's just before Thanksgiving, so it's mad busy. I really thought that he was going to come over and just, like, give her cash. And she'd object and they'd have, like, a little back and forth. And, and that would just, be like, that. And he would fix it with cash. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I guess I owe you Not one. Not that he would come over and be like, hey, baby, <laughs> can't you just please take this and card like, this one time? the card in her face. And like, oh, you have a beautiful name. That's a beautiful name. A wink, wink. <laughs> and it works. In this movie, in the world of this movie, that works. The only reason why I would give that scene a pass at all is because it has the woman who played Callie Callie Torres in Grey's Anatomy. But I think that they're non-binary now. Yeah. At the time, it's, you know, they identified as a woman at the time. And so it's just like a very clear gender dynamic, like gross scene that I hated so much. And it was awful. The fact that they put that actor through that makes me so irritated. because I love that actor so that Rose had to come with this big smile as though she's been won over by Joe Fox's condescending rubbish you could have that interaction of them being antagonistic with each other over the fact that now she owes him a favor Mm because he helped her out 
Oh, just the image of him shaking the visa in her face. That's literally just the beginning of, like, the issues that then begin to really spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy that they kept the scene for the sake of Ramirez's career because that was obviously like a really good starting place i know obviously you know they probably had way more roles before that but like mm-hmm. that seemed like a pretty big one and so i'm glad that that role got kept because that was yeah it was a full-on full scene. scene and i'm really happy that they got to keep that on their resume and stuff but otherwise that scene is like absolute garbage and you know like it was right then that i started to realize like maybe because the original story was written so long ago Maybe Mm -hmm. they're using some of the original tropes of Uh, the genre in general. That makes a lot of sense. And so I was thinking to myself, like, oh, if the original is from the turn of the 1900s, then Mm -hmm. perhaps commedia is still something that is referenced often and the idea of the lovers being the most two-dimensional characters in any performance (laughs) is very classic right they're just focused on one another and they're just like very moody and whatever and so like that's perhaps what the focus is and that maybe that's why meg ryan's character is written so abysmally boring and two-dimensional but it just like doesn't get better from here yeah and some of the other things that it's also products of the time but hugely problematic is um joe's is it his ex-stepmother or who is this woman who full-on assaults him twice i don't know i is that not his active stepmother yes you're right it is his current stepmother actually full-on moves her head when greeting him so that they kiss on the mouth and it looked like a hard kiss yeah it was really creepy not okay predatory oh yeah so like all of that predatory kissing and then all of that scenes on the boat needed to go the boohoo crimea river these guys have to go (laughs) sit and stay in their yachts because they've broken up with these women yeah that wasn't great either the only redeeming quality about the boat scene is that at least we get to see his come to jesus moment where he realizes the mistakes of his father are perpetuating itself because he's never with someone that makes him happy and he makes Mm -hmm. the conscious decision to be with someone who he's happy with instead of someone he thinks he's supposed to be with. And so that's one good plot point I actually did enjoy. So I appreciate that. But basically everything at the entire end of the movie needed to leave. Mm -hmm. And that would have shaved off a good half an hour of the runtime. Which really was what it needed. It needed to be shortened by at least 30 minutes. And most of that was the end. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, speaking of that as well, when she's sick and he shows up at her apartment with a bunch of daisies, which first of all, if it's your favorite flower, no hate to you. But whose favorite flower is a daisy? Again, going to writing the worst female character anyone's ever written. A daisy. Oh, God. Even a rose. Even if it's a rose, even if your favorite flower is a red rose, to me that makes more sense than it being a daisy nobody's favorite flower is a daisy who's above the age of 12 like i don't know what it is but (laughs) yo anyway that point where he shows up at her door when she's sick i really thought okay this is the grand romantic gesture that's where it needed to go he's gonna reveal that it's him yeah it needed to be there and she's gonna be upset and then they're gonna somehow reconcile i thought we were nearing the end of the movie he needed to have printouts of the emails exactly i suggested to jane that maybe the dog magically appears too so that we end with the dog being there like he just knocks on the door as well and then we have a happy family you could still have that Or even, he doesn't even need to have emails printed out. I suggested to Jasmine. So he brings her her flavor flower, which is a daisy, blah, blah, blah. And then 
when he puts it down on the table and she says, oh, daisies, I love daisies. How did you know that? And he says, you told me, but she told him in the email and Correct. then you have that moment with the reveal the realization so much more emotionally satisfying to have that moment and yep. she's sick and confused and she's like what what do you mean i told you he's like you told me when you were writing your email that's and the then climax the end we would have literally skipped all of the manipulative bullshit that he does for the next month or two about him being really creepy and leading her on and then contradicting the things he wrote in the email to make it seem like the email guy is a jerk and then like trying to slowly worm his way into her life in this other way even though he didn't need to do any of that and just playing with her gross it's clear that she's falling for him in person now that they've finally started to become friends right and he just toys with her and so he tries to play the two versions of himself off against each other like trying to make her essentially choose between in-person him and email him and it was fully unnecessary maybe you could have still had that plot point if you see him really conflicted about not wanting to hurt her by revealing this which they already did when he went to meet with her at the cafe and he doesn't stand her up exactly but that didn't pay off no that one was perfect you can see he feels bad in his apology for quote standing her up even Mm. though he doesn't he's very apologetic Uh, i feel like we hit those notes there yeah so then we don't need this and then we should have left it we don't need that whole ending the entire manipulation over months is gross i hate it so much the toying with her is terrible horrible thing to do to someone can't stand it makes me really really uncomfortable he keeps digging a hole too he digs and digs and digs that mm-hmm. hole he makes it worse and worse and then she like cries with joy that it's him like that's so mm-hmm. like that's abuse and a woman who is going to be in a relationship like that is in an abusive relationship especially after the months of essentially gaslighting that he's done you know yeah it's a psychological abuse yeah i still could have understood the reaction that she was so delighted at him like if that scene happened when she was sick if that's where the movie ended i would have been so mad like you're telling me for months i've been so torn and guilty and whatever over this guy online and you and the whole time <laughs> It's been you? Mm-mm. That's not cool. Yes. I think that would have cut off 20 minutes right there. Anyway, I think I think we've made our, ourselves very clear as to what we would have cut. Because as we said, the premise and the setup of the movie, super cute, super fun. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, their chemistry is... Their chemistry is great. They do many other rom-coms together. Amazing. And you can see why. They, it's brilliant. So let's hit those shenanigans. There are a lot of them, some good and some bad, but this movie is a scatter full of shenanigans. One of my favorites is when they are in Kathleen's bookstore. Joe brings his aunt and his stepbrother. I can't really remember the relationship, but there's shenanigans around that as well. They're both young kids. And the boy can spell fox, but... When Kathleen asks him to spell any other simple words, three-letter words like cat and dog, he can't do it. And that's because the family surname is Fox. 
So that was very fun, even though I didn't like the fact Tom Hanks' character is being duplicitous. But I thought the scene was funny. Yeah, doing that kind of like sneaky hiding the truth, but it's surrounded by the fact that these kids are about to spill the beans is more funny and charming than it is weird. So that scene, I actually don't mind at all. I think the context of it makes it Mm -hmm. fine. Yes. And it's right at the beginning. So I get that he doesn't want to right off the bat reveal who he is or have the kids reveal it. And he has to like try and explain himself that he's not here to snoop. Yes. Because he actually wasn't. And like while we're in the bookstore, why don't the foxes appreciate first editions or rare copies of books? (laughs) I know. I didn't understand. I don't get that at all. (laughs) I guess this isn't necessarily a straight up shenanigan, but I was delightfully surprised by their being a bunch of day fucking Chappelle. <laughs> Someone who I was happy to see was uh, Heather Burns, who plays Christina, one of the shop workers. She's got a playing a best friend. She plays the best friend to Sandra Bullock twice. Yes. Both in two weeks notice and in Miss Congeniality. And uh, she's also a best friend who I would love to see as a leading lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, another scene that I, I like that we have talked about is them talking online about how angry the other one made them in person and I think that was just really well done because you've just come off the scene where they're really fighting really bickering and now they're going to seek comfort from the person who's always there for them emotionally and so while they're getting their emotional needs met it's because they have each made that person so angry. Yeah, and it's really, really fun. The, the ways that they're awful to each other. This is funny. The caviar on the minced tuna plate or whatever that was. Oh, that gave me so much ick. He literally starts scooping up all the caviar and Meg Ryan's character mentions to Tom Hanks like, hey, that's a garnish. You're not meant to take all of it. And then he proceeds to scoop Mm -hmm. all of the caviar around the entire plate. He scoops it and puts it straight onto his plate. She promptly comes over and plucks it off of his plate with a spoon as well, which is like (laughs) the most attitude she gives anyone, which I think was a Meg Ryan character choice and not something they wrote for her because they wrote her two-dimensionally so thank you meg ryan for giving your character personality when they let you down uh other shenanigans is kathleen's colleagues thinking that online joe is the rooftop killer so that there's the whole online bit when he stands her up that they say oh but the rooftop killer was arrested the same night so maybe it's him yeah and it's such a fun setup because they literally start off the conversation with like oh you know what maybe he got stuck in the subway (laughs) it just escalates you know the drafts in the subway are so insane that perhaps he got pulled into the tracks and he like died on his way trying to see you yeah they make up this whole entire elaborate thing about why he could have possibly missed the date and then the guy comes walking in and he's like wait last night the rooftop killer was picked up right down the street from the cafe. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and they entertain it for a moment, which is upsetting for her, but yes. very funny for us. <laughs> then, like, this was quite a good payoff, I think, that we've established very early on that we see that they live very close to each other. They go to the same places. You know, their lives are in parallel at the beginning. So then when they've met and don't like each other, 
you could easily be like, oh, New York is so big. How do they keep running into each other? Right. Because they're hiding in all the same places yes. that they already ran into each other at the beginning montage. Yes, exactly. So that was a very uh, satisfying payoff as well. Like, it makes sense. Oh, and I know we talked about the fallout from the date gone wrong or the standing up from the internet friend but that scene itself I actually really kind of love I couldn't remember if he actually went in or not and so for a minute I really thought he fully stands her up Uh, he realizes oh it's Kathleen and you know Dave Chappelle's character is like well I hope you like Kathleen because it's Kathleen and so he's like oh no I can't go in there and they walk away mm -hmm. they leave and they show her in the restaurant the waiter asks if she wants another tea I really think she's getting fully stood up by both the person in her Uh head and by Fox. And then when he does actually come in and makes it a whole thing about fancy running into (laughs) you here and kind of softening the blow Mm -hmm. a little bit. I I did appreciate that. I'm glad he didn't totally walk. Yeah. Even if he didn't reveal himself in that moment. At least he went. It says something about his moral character that I really appreciate. What irritated me about that scene was the scene prior where he's going on and saying, oh, uh, I'd be mad if I don't, marry this woman because she's so amazing and how she makes me feel i'm like first of all excuse me sir you are still in a relationship at this point and you're talking about like marrying this mystery woman mm-hmm. secondly he then proceeds to ask uh dave chappelle's character to check to make sure that she's not ugly yeah that i didn't love we've gone from i'm so ready to marry her committed relationship aside to like oh i'm so terrified that she's ugly yeah that's not great yeah so it's a lot of those weird juxtapositions it's like you set up something very very sweet for the character Mm -hmm. and then you let him down so strong by making him such a reprehensible pig yeah and i think it would like if it wasn't for the fact he said oh no matter what i'm gonna marry her because she's so amazing immediately followed by check that she's not ugly if they just left can you check to see that she's not ugly it's not the greatest of jokes but to me it's not as bad Mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely oh i almost forgotten this one so i'm gonna jump back to kind of more in the beginning but when they are at the bookstore that first time when he's keeping it a secret and the kids are there Mm -hmm. four books in the 90s for 70 bucks that's what like what? The $200 in, in 2022 money or something? I don't know, maybe. Which is more? like close to 3,000 like, Rand for four books? For four books. That's, mm, uh, that's insane. That's bonkers. <laughs> and he didn't even buy one of like the rare books or anything. It was just like some kids' books. I understand the purpose is to highlight the fact like we're supposed to laugh at the small independent bookstore and cheer for you know the giant conglomerate in this moment like oh wow that's saving me so much money i'm so grateful for the mega store but it's too much you went too Mm -hmm. far it's not like that it's too far it's not even like that now if i were to go into strand no no um one last shenanigan and it's just like such a throwaway thing but it tickled me but the fact that they have the the most specific deal breakers, I was like, really? Out of everything, those are the deal breakers. It's in the montage where they're getting to know each other in person and falling in love as friends. Oh, and right. And she says... Can't have boats. She says she can never be with someone who has a boat. And I can't remember what his was, but it was equally absurd. Right, I can't be with someone who likes Joni Mitchell or something like that. Oh, it was exactly that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well remembered. <laughs> like really out of everything 
That's your deal breaker. It's funny, though, because I think that they do it on purpose. She knows that he's rich and has a boat. Ah, okay. He knows that she likes that already. But that's also, like, that was a fun shenanigan to show their relationship actually becoming, like, fun and not antagonistic. If I'm not friends with you, that's a mean thing to say and we're fighting. If I am friends with Mm -hmm. you, that was a funny thing to say and I'm (laughs) laughing. You know what I mean? Like, relationship is so important. So as much as we talked about it would have been better if the movie ended with, like, him coming to her apartment when she's sick. I did like aspects of the montage of them getting to know each other as friends because you get to see their chemistry. They drop like the full on antagonism and they're mm-hmm. like slowly falling in love in person. You can see their friendship. So I would have moved that montage to before her being sick. You know, like I would have kept that aspect because it's so charming. I would have cut her being sick entirely. I would have had him showing up to the apartment with the flowers, her being up there pretending she's sick, uh, him going yes. up anyway and sneaking in, her not being sick, him finding her out, them joking, maybe having that Boats and Joni Mitchell conversation then, maybe go on a walk and then end up in the park. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would have set up that email before he left where she's like, well, you have to excuse me. I have to leave now because I'm meeting a friend. And he goes, "Okay," And so they leave and part ways. And then he actually shows up at the park, too. That's what I would have done. Truncated. Bing, bang, bong. (laughs) And end scene. Roll credits. Let us remake this movie. (laughs) That would have been a better ending instead of the manipulation. I know that it was an excuse to have their relationship bloom in a real way, but it doesn't read like that. It reads as It reads as him manipulating her through a friendship. Yeah. If anyone did that now, we would call it grooming and we would tell her to get as far away as she could from him. Exactly. Oh boy. So I guess that brings us to (laughs) So our fun fun, fab fab fail. Um, so I think we, we can, we have differing opinions. Yes. And that's okay. And I think that's fine. That's fine. Speaking of fine. (laughs) So so I know we have a fun fab fail, but I feel like for me, this movie falls somewhere between fine and frustrating. And I think overall, I'm going to rate it as frustrating because I was just so frustrated by what it could have been by how much nostalgia I felt for the movie and how much I enjoyed the setup, how much I love Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan individually and then as a a duo, I think it's amazing. But there were just too many other factors that prevented me from even awarding it a fun uh, denotation. But because there was so much that I like about it, I can't quite fail it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I can't fail it. So I'm going to create my own little category and say it was very frustrating. It's a frustrating watch. I put it solidly as a fail for me. I think that the little bits that are fun are not good enough to make up for the blatant misogynism the rude terrible attitudes towards one another the rambling Mm -hmm. plot that needed to wrap up 30 minutes earlier like there's just too many things that are just impossibly bad I think the movie is saved by its cast, Mm -hmm. and I think it's saved by the dialogue given to secondary characters, if it were to be saved by anything. (laughs) But it's it's really brutal, and I think they did Meg Ryan dirty, giving her such a vanilla character. Mm Mm-hmm. She really is. I don't know that I could describe that woman if she were real. (laughs) She doesn't feel real. Well, there you have it. And that leads us 
to our favorite segment. Give me the cheese, please. Give me the cheese. The cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Ready? Three, two, one. Mozzarella cheese sticks. <laughs> <laughs> this is going in the same <laughs> This is going in the same direction? What do you mean? Like how we have synergistic cheese. Yes. We got so close to almost having the same one because I almost put that too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up changing my mind. So go forth and explain. Okay. I, I think I went first last time. Okay. So I picked mozzarella sticks because... Much like how I feel about our heroin, they're bland. There might be some like crispy, you know, crunchy dialogue here and there, but ultimately it's a pretty empty center. <laughs> you know, a mozzarella stick, in my opinion, is entirely saved by it being heavily sauced, which I felt mm. like I needed to be in order to enjoy this movie. <laughs> And this is like a something that you would see on like a football game day, hanging out with your buds, right? And in that way, it feels a little misogynistic. I wanted to like fit in the football, like it's really broy in that way. Um, I don't have that association with mozzarella sticks, so this is interesting. Well, we do here. Mozzarella sticks are like a bar grub, and I do yeah. love a mozzarella stick with some beer, but it feels like the kind of place where the male to female ratio is like three to one. And this is a huge, huge stretch, and so I. I know that it's really, really dumb and you're going to have to forgive me, but the final little bit will be the fact that it is the smallest bit phallic. And uh, that's just my nod to the misogyny throughout this entire movie. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so my choice is not great. As in great. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I was just it's very well thought out and argued. It was funny. Well, I'm being a total bee about all of this stuff. So I apologize <laughs> that you're seeing me at my worst. <laughs> so my choice needs like a little bit of um, a history. So I chose cheese calls, which is not actually a cheese. It's a maize snack. I think you call them cheese puffs. Cheese puffs. Yeah, I think Cheetos has, you know, the curly thing. You know, like not the regular Cheetos. No, I know. Okay, okay. Uh, so here at home, we have cheese calls. We have a lot of different brands of this form of chip. But Cheese Calls was the original one and it's it's something I grew up with in my childhood. And, you know, at some point, like I stopped eating them. And so much like this movie... Cheese calls were a huge part of my childhood. Aww. And I have such like feelings of nostalgia and like love. And it's just like a standard staple, you know. <laughs> but then as an adult, I decided, oh, I'm feeling nostalgic. Let me have some cheese calls. And Jasmine, they did not taste the same. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say they were awful but I was just left with like a very artificial and like weird taste in my mouth which is kind of how I felt after watching this movie I just kind of felt a little bit cheated a little bit disappointed and um so I think like it just doesn't taste the same so I still have an inclination to have some fondness towards cheese calls like I see a packet in the store and I'm like Oh, cheese calls. You know, the same way I feel towards this movie. It's like, oh, it's You Got Mail, like Meg Ryan and, and Tom Hanks. What could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? And it turns out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
I promise you are welcome to have this as your favorite movie. And if Cheese Calls is your favorite snack, and you can tell us, please fine. email us about how we're so wrong. Yes, please, <laughs> please do. <laughs> anyway, it's okay to acknowledge that things change, and that's fine. Your tastes develop, society develops. I don't have a problem with anyone picking up a bag of cheese calls or picking up this movie because it's comforting and we all need a little bit of comfort. But I have changed. So, yeah, that's my pick. And there it is. Cheese poofs. There it is. Cheese calls. Well, there you have it. That was our discussion of You Got Mail. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Tell me about how you hate me now or any other shenanigans we may have missed. <laughs> Mostly how we've ruined your favorite movie. Like, how dare we? How dare we? Or what cheese you think it is. You can follow us on Instagram at shenanigansensuepod. Or you can email us at shenanigansensuepod at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us next time. And until then, I, I wanted, wanted it to be you. you. I wanted it to be you so badly. Bye! Yeah, my next project is to make a consolidated version of this movie that I actually like because I wanted to like it. Yes, yes, let's do it. I'm just going to make the cuts. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be so much better, I promise.